This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner. And today with me in studio, I have Ashling Hurley, who is the CEO of Breast Cancer Ireland. Ashling, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. Thanks a million for having me. It's, it's a difficult one. Um, this topic because I think it's something that everyone's terrified of mm. um, and and certainly something that like I know myself breast check my, my grandmother died with breast cancer not of breast cancer which I think a lot of people her age can do um, and it's something that like I often check when I'm in the shower and then I'm like am I even doing this right I feel like I shouldn't be the one left my own devices so today I'd love to get some insight about the work that you do how the funds that you raise help people and also how people can like protect themselves not against breast cancer but you know knowing the science. Yeah, it's very interesting. We just did a piece of research there in October pre and post Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the amount of women that said that they knew they needed to check themselves, didn't check themselves regularly, weren't sure how to do it properly and more importantly just thought that breast cancer was a lump. Yeah, well I would have thought that like I what I was showering one day and I found a lump and I freaked out and then I went to like organize this went to a, con- a consultant a breast consultant in one of the clinics and he examined me and he was like mm, no there's nothing there like when did you check were you horm- while you're on your period like you know sometimes hormones can impact the shape and the sure. texture of the breast mm. tissue mm. um but it was nothing but I was just so convinced yeah well the stark reality was that like 30 uh, only checked themselves on a regular basis out of the over a thousand women that we talked to. Now, in saying that, breast cancer affects men too, so I hate to rule them out because, you know, the statistics are one in nine women will get breast cancer in their lifetime. One in nine? One in nine. And I laugh because I laugh with like Riley because I'm one of six girls and my mother is seven. And I suppose up until about five years ago, we didn't have breast cancer touch our family, thank God. And then lo and behold, my mother rang me. She was 72 at the time and she said, you're not going to believe this. They have found a very small lump um, on mammogram. She said, it's so tiny. I won't have to have surgery per, per se. I have to have a lumpectomy. I don't need chemo, but I will have to have radiation therapy. And there was I thinking, wow, you know, now she's perfectly fine. Thank God. She's done her five years on her medication and she's a new woman again. But I mean, I said, as I said to her at that time, it's 12 months of Torture is not the right word, but it's 12 months of, you know, having to go to appointments, having to have radiation. You know, you're going to feel fatigued. You're going to feel out of sorts. But I said, once that year has passed, you turn a new corner and you start to move on. So one, like I'm just thinking of people who are in like girls WhatsApp groups of like nine, ten women. And you're thinking, okay, right. Well, if I'm in a group of ten women and one in nine people gets it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the chances are that someone Mm. in our group is going to be touched Mm. by this. And of those one in nine, Mm -hmm. this is probably a bit grim, but I need to know. How many women die of breast cancer? Okay, so if you look statistically annually at the moment, there's about 3,700, 3,800 new cases diagnosed every year. Now, in the global scheme of things, nationally, then about 690 we have deaths. Not out of that 3,700, but nationally we have about 690 deaths annually from breast cancer. And that tends to be where breast cancer has not been detected early, where it has, you know, it has aggressively moved on to a stage four diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And with the stage four diagnosis, which is what we call metastatic disease, it's where the primary tumour, if treated or not treated, but it has spread a little bit like 
and I'm from Limerick, so a little bit like a Ginny Joe in a field that you blow, you know, and suddenly the little particles spill into the air. Those dandelion things, yeah. Yes. So that's exactly what um, cancer does, the tumour does. So if it's not treated and it doesn't catch all of the tumour, sometimes parts of the cells hide they don't allow the treatment to affect them. And then they, lo and behold, they travel their way into major organs of the body like the liver, the lungs, the spine and the worst case, the brain. And that's something that we fund massively through Breast Cancer Ireland is metastatic brain disease, which is where, because it's the most challenging, it's the one where we can't fulfil our remit, which is to transform breast cancer from often being fatal, those 690 deaths, into a long-term treatable illness that can be maintained if we don't stop um, the disease in in the brain. So if you can, is it, True to say that if you can catch it early, yeah. it's like much more easy. You can do oh. a lumpectomy, get rid of the whole thing, hopefully. Absolutely. My, Just look at my mother's case. She was caught. They said it was like so, so tiny. Like was she just caught because she, she was just, just going for her regular her, routine? Her bi-yearly, mam- you know, her every two years mammogram. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's actually really crucial to... To, to do to go to those it's crucial when do you, what age do you start getting those at? well okay so breast check is the free government agency who offer them from 50 to 69 and there's a lot of um I suppose talk around a noise around it should be lower it should move out down to 40 it should move out to 70 and yes there is absolute merit in that however what people don't understand is that a mammogram is our best line of defense from a screening per- perspective but women in their 30s, 20s, 30s and 40s, their breast tissue is still very li- live. It's very, still very lively. So it shows up white. Cancer cells show up white on a mammogram. So okay. white on white, it's very hard to detect. I suppose the one thing to do is to know your normal baseline. And I always say this to women, don't be waiting for your free mammo. You know, take your own breast health into your own hands. Understand what your today's baseline is, what your no- normal is today. And every month, every week, whatever suits you. then you'll know if check, something changes. You know exactly if something changes. And once you know the eight signs and symptoms, and once you know how to properly do a breast exam, you know, you, you, you're empowering yourself with your own breast health. So what are the eight signs and symptoms? Okay, so a lump is one of eight signs and symptoms. And and is that a lump that you might see or like that you, you wouldn't would see? Feel, you'd feel and you'd it. have to be pressing hard because the whole thing is to press hard. It's like you get the, the your, your index finger and the two other fingers and you press in circular motion from the nipple right out as far as your collarbone in underneath your armpit because your breast tissue goes up to your collarbone sure. oh, yeah. in okay. and around your back. And does this like, is it meant to hurt? Yeah. You, okay. should, you should feel it. Like you should really press hard. Okay. And if you felt something, nine times out of ten, it is nothing. And it can be, you know, a cyst. It can be benign. I mean, if you look at it, one of the symptomatic breast centres in Beaumont that we would be aligned to, they would see about 10,000 women a year, only 300% with breast cancer. Okay, so the rest are just people like me They're being worried like, well. I found exactly. a lump, but They're I'm worried fine. well, but they all, all have to be seen. But the most important thing is to do the your breast examination. You can do it lying down and you can do it in front of the mirror because the signs and symptoms are this. You can have one breast larger than the other, other more swollen. You can have one breast lower than the other, so the nipples aren't aligned. But aren't those typical, like... This might be TMI, but like one of my boobs is bigger than the other. Everybody's is. Okay. But it's significantly Significantly. significantly and if that bigger. changes. Yeah. Okay. And you'll monitor that change by visually looking in the mirror to see it. The other one would be if the nipple in, is retracted back into the breast or if it's um, got a discharge from it. And one of the really fascinating things very start when I started was understanding that one of the symptoms was for all the world, orange peel on the outer side of the breast, a bit like cellulite on your breast. Okay. That is where a tumour in the inside of the breast is pulling and it's creating that dimpling effect on the underside of the breast. Okay, so you shouldn't have 
So you'd often kind of have that just normally on your thighs maybe. Absolutely. But that shouldn't be on your breast. Shouldn't be on your breast. Okay. Another one is a slight rash on your breast and another one would be a swelling under the armpit in the lymph nodes. Okay. So they're kind of, I hope I've given you eight, but they're the eight signs and symptoms. Most important thing that I can tell any of your listeners is we have a free app. It's free to download on Android and Apple called BreastAware. You put it on your phone and once a month, bing, up comes a little pink ribbon to remind you to check your breasts. It shows you a simulated video guide of how to do it properly and it shows you the eight signs and symptoms to look out for. And say you saw one of these symptoms. Yeah. At that point, is it like, oh God, like are there symptoms where you're like, okay, look, you need to just monitor that. Mm -hmm. Like look at it again in a month or the minute you see it, should it be like, I need to ring my GP because I have this dimpling or I have discharge coming from one of my nipples are? Oh, I think I think if you have discharge or if you have dimpling and you see an obvious sign of one of those signs, you should contact your GP because your GP, even throughout COVID, and this is something I was really stressing because I, I knew that people were terrified to necessar- to go to a hospital setting or to go to their GP for fear of catching COVID. Yes. But the most important thing is if you go to your GP, your GP will triage you. So he will assess you based on medium risk, high risk, low risk. And then he will send it on to the symptomatic breast unit, which is one of the eight designated cancer centres in the country. You will then be done triaged again. They will go, mm, you know, medium, low or high risk. If you're high risk, you will be seen within two weeks. And what's high risk based on your age or based on? Based on your symptom. Your symptom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, cancer, it doesn't uh, discriminate against age, unfortunately. Like I look, I guess is why we ask then why do breast check discriminate against age? But you have explained that breast tissue is kind of different. And it's also economics. It's also commercial. You know, if if, if you want to extend it, you've got there's a huge cost for the government to do that. Now, I'm not saying the cost is the only deterrent, but it is also got to do with the fact that the breast tissue is still alive and it's still difficult to, 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 to spot. But I would say that anyone under the age of 50, if they feel that they have any symptom, they should go and get themselves checked out. Go and have your own mammogram done. A mammogram is something like 150 to have done. Sometimes a lot of the health insurance companies cover it. I just, I would love for people to empower themselves. Stop waiting for others to do it for you. And can a GP, like if you said to your GP, I think I have a lump in my breast and they, can they check you out? And are they, or will they not say, because they're not fully qualified, they will be reluctant to be like, I know that's nothing. Yeah. Listen, it's it's a 50-50 here because I know so many patient ambassadors that have come in to me and said, um, my GP said I'm too young. Go home and, you know, come back in a month if, you, if you're still concerned. Then you have other GPs that are extremely cautious and they would send you on and have you have you seen by a breast by a breast clinic. So I do think, though, but it's important for us. Women have great intuition and it's important for us if you know. That's why I say, know you're normal, because if you spot anything that's abnormal, you need to go after it and you need to make sure you're seen. So it's about, and it's funny because I think like the way we're raised, like in Catholic schools, sometimes like just exploring your body or looking at yourself naked is just something that we just don't do. There's a lot mm-hmm. of shame around our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's really not serving us when it comes to mm. like, if you're listening to this now, like, do you know what your normal breast looks and feels like? Probably yeah, exactly. not. And as a nation, we're absolutely part of this culture of if it's not troubling me, I'm not going looking for it. Yeah, I don't look for I'm trouble. too busy. Yeah. You know? And so if um so if you do have cancer then how like how does Breast Cancer Ireland 
cross over on a Venn diagram with people who have cancer? Like, how do you help and how do you mm. work with people? Do they have to get in touch with you? OK, so here's how it works. Our remit is all about, well, predominantly all about research. So 80% of what we raise goes into research and it goes into really what I've now seen, which is fantastic. I, we, I set up Brad's Breast Cancer with Arnie Hill, the leading breast surgeon, back in 2011-12. And since then, I have seen the huge shift in... A, our survival rates are improving, which is great. We're up at 85%. But that's not something I love shouting about because I want to get it up to 98%. Yes, OK. Yeah. Um, and that's about early detection. Then the other thing is I'm seeing that we are definitely, we're treating p- patients much differently than we treated them 10 years ago. We're treating them very much like in a personalised medicine kind of way. So, for instance, I could put 100 women in the room with a particular type of breast cancer, give them all chemotherapy and it will only work on 10. Oh, wow. Why is that? Because genetically, everybody's genetic profile is different. I talk to women who have a particular subtype of breast cancer. It could be a triple negative breast cancer and I could have five of them around the table and they'll all tell me their treatment plan was different because it's all personal to them. We now know with a sophisticated blood test that we can determine whether chemo will work for you, surgery, what drug therapy we can put you on. But it will be very different to the person next to you. That's amazing. So that's how far research and clinical trials have come. I've seen new clinical trials that have been developed that are keeping people with stage four metastatic aggressive disease alive. They're living with cancer. So that is amazing to see that that kind of development. And that's where a lot of our funding goes into into research. The other side of it is we are very passionate about providing education and awareness on the importance of good breast health for women of all ages. So we have a complimentary programme that we roll out right throughout the country. We have coordinators in Leinster, Munster and in Connacht and they're going out talking to schools, TY years, because they have a wellness section within the TY curriculum. So they're talking about good breast health, not scaring them about breast cancer per se, but telling them to know their own bodies and in future to check themselves. Taking a break from the show to tell you about our sponsor, humdingermortgages.ie, your new gaff without the faff. Humdinger are an award-winning mortgage brokerage and they specialise in finding the right mortgage for you. The best part is that you deal with the broker and they deal with every major bank in the Irish market so you don't have to trawl around talking to loads of people. They also make the best recommendation on what's the best way to proceed for you specifically and they stay at your side to help you at every step of the way from application to drawing down your mortgage. They're in the mortgage business, right? Not the application business. They have absolutely no interest in putting you through the ringer and getting you to fill out loads of forms without getting a mortgage at the end. And they're really honest from the get-go about what the problems might be with your application. But then they don't abandon you. They will stay by your side and give you the best advice on how to make sure that you are successful the next time you apply. They specialise in helping first-time buyers, people looking to trade up and people like me who are looking to save ourselves some money by switching our mortgage for a better rate. And like for me, I'm going to switch my mortgage. I'm working with Humdinger because like a reduction of even 0.5% on my mortgage rate can save me like 30 grand in interest over the whole term of my mortgage. Mortgages are the biggest financial decision you are ever going to make. So take advantage of speaking to experts and go to humdingermortgages.ie to begin your journey. So while I have you, I'm going to take the opportunity to um, take you hostage for a minute and tell you about the merchandise that we are selling. We have notebooks and pens, which are branded with the basically branding. And you should buy them. You should buy them because it's a lovely notebook. Who doesn't need a notebook? If you are a Headstuff podcast member, if you buy the notebook, you get the pen for free. It supports me. It supports the podcast. It supports the producers, the people who work on the show and means that we can continue to make these podcasts and give them to you for free. If you want to become a Headstuff podcast member, if you get a lot from the podcast and you think, God, I'd like to support Stephanie and the podcast, you can become a Headstuff podcast member for €5 plus that. 
uh, or you can give more if you want to go to headstuffpodcast.com and you can click register there and you pick a podcast you can pick up to three podcasts if you pick three podcasts what happens there is that the five euro that you're giving gets split between the three podcasts that you're supporting or you can pick just one podcast say you pick my podcast then you'll get my bonus material for free and all of the bonus material for all of the other podcasts on the network so it's a really really good deal five euro all of these special podcasts so if you want to do that do it I'll be very very grateful the people who are in the community the Headstuff podcast members are my favourite people they support the podcast they mean that you can listen to this podcast for free it's five euro a month I'm going to stop talking now but I really appreciate your support thank you oh and also if you cannot afford to support the podcast but you want to support the podcast, you can also give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a good review or share the podcast with two other people. That's it. Just send the podcast to two other people who will listen to it, who you think will benefit from it. That helps to get our listeners up, which helps us get sponsorship. It's all how it works. And uh, yeah, I'd be really grateful if you do that too. Bye. While I have you, I want to tell you about another show on the network. It's a new show that I think you might enjoy. It's called Late Night Nod. Um, it's So it's a brand new podcast and it's got original music and these hilarious improvised interviews with guests from a fictional world of art and culture. There's this guy, uh, Brian McCann. He's introducing us to some of the world's like best known personalities, most creative people that you have never heard of. Um, it's really, really funny. Give it a whirl. Let me know if you like it. And yeah, try it out. The Late Night Nod features original music and improvised interviews with guests from a fictitious world of arts and culture. Each episode weaves a conversational thread through tales of inspiration, excess and heartache with some of the creative world's best-known personalities that you've never heard of. Join some of Ireland's most talented actors and comedians as they step into the world of The Late Night Nod. Are there things that you can do to avoid breast cancer? This might sound like a stupid question, but like, you know, you hear stories of like wearing an underwire bra or some sort of deodorants that have chemicals in them. Yeah. Does any of that actually, is that any true? Is that true? Or I think everything in moderation. And I've okay. often said this to the oncologists that I talk to, you know, I've said like, is it that excessive if you're obese or that you drink too much or that you smoke too much? Or that, and they're saying to me, it's in moderation. If people live a moderate life, if they exercise well, if they eat a balanced diet, if, you know, they drink and don't necessarily smoke. But if they, you know, if they're going to have a glass of wine, that's fine. Don't do anything in excess. It's about moderate moderation in your lifestyle is a reducing factor of getting breast cancer and any cancer, any Mm -hmm. serious illness. Yeah, because you do hear like some of the healthiest yoga obsessed, clean eating people in the world get any type of cancer and sometimes it is stigmatised that like people who are I don't know in larger bodies or people who drink like they're that's what's blamed for their cancer but then you also know people who've smoked 100 fags a day for the last 60 years and they're still going strong so it just seems really like it doesn't Mm. It's a generalisation that I don't think is fair I do think we have to live you know we have to live in moderation So underwear bras are fine and deodorant is fine Yeah and I mean I know there is and I I do know a lot of people who went through breast cancer have switched and gone to the route of non-paraffin deodorant etc and roll on etc and that's fine and that's their wish and their opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to cause cancer. No, no it's not going to cause it. No. And can you talk to us about um, a couple of weeks ago we spoke to Cathy Kelly and it was on Emma Hannigan's anniversary and um, led to a kind of a discussion as well around like Angelina Jolie and this BRCA1 gene that you, that you can have which puts you at a much higher risk of breast cancer. Is that not something that like we should be screening 
people for or is that just an economic it's going to cost too much to screen everyone so they only test you if someone in your family has had it? Mm. It tends to be if somebody in your family has it and it's interesting we have a family breast clinic um, in Beaumont Hospital again in the symptomatic unit there and what they do is they're testing people who have had a relative whether it's a mother and aunt or a grandparent who has had again their triage low risk, medium risk, high risk. So for instance I wouldn't be a high risk because my mother was 72 when she got breast cancer so I would be very much low risk. Okay. But for somebody who had a parent or a, a relative who was diagnosed say in their 30s or 40s of breast cancer then they should be screened from a family heritage point of view to just see a hereditary point of view just to see if there is uh, if they carry any of the genes or if that particular person had a genetic um, predisposition. Mm. And if you do have that BRCA gene what like does it mean you have to get a mastectomy? Does it... Like what, what is the treatment there if you find out? Okay, so nine times out of ten, it depends on your age. It depends, like I have a, a patient ambassador who interestingly, she um, had she she was diagnosed with breast cancer after a lot of toing and froing with her GP over extreme tiredness, which oh, is wow. amazing. She'd gone on iron, B12s, etc. But it did turn out when she went to be seen, uh, just out of course, the GP said, you know what, I just sent you to the breast clinic, just let's rule everything out. And because she had quite dense breasts and large breasts, they did actually find the tumour. So she had her mastectomy. She did go and have herself genetically tested and it turned out that she does carry the BRCA gene. She'd had a double mastectomy at the start anyway because there was another tumour in the other breast as it turned out. So she was happy that that was a part of her treatment was concluded. With uh, uh, the ovarian cancer um, predictability, they do say that she needs to be careful, but she's still quite young. She's only in her 30s. And so they're monitoring her on a yearly basis. She's gone on to have a little baby boy, which was miraculous because the type of cancer that she had was triple negative breast cancer, which is very aggressive. And it's also the a cancer that we also put a lot of funding in with Queen's University in Belfast. It's where we we're looking at younger women the only real treatment for a triple negative is chemo, surgery and radiation therapy. All so three. All three. So these women are tend to be very young and they in childbearing ages. So they have to look at the whole fertility issue prior to going on, on chemo because it's a toxin to put into the body. It sends you into early menopause. So they have to look at, you know, freezing eggs, etc. prior to ever starting their breast cancer treatment. And um, why is it that cervical check it is done in much younger is it because it's more aggressive I know you're not an expert in cervical mm, check but yeah. the you know the two cancer screening programs that are for women mm. how come one of them starts earlier is it just that breast tissue piece again yes I think it is that breast tissue piece and I think also it's interesting that you know the whole Lord of Mercy on our Jade Goody thing and that really escalated um, and promoted the need for younger women to go and have their have their smears on an annual basis. And I think it's much it's it's an easier one to spot and to treat quite quickly if it's caught early. Um, on the other side, as we said, with breast, the tissue is, is still alive, so it's harder to detect. But I do think you look at Sarah Harding, you know, in her 30s, Lord mercy on her last September, she passed away and she left it go. She did spot something. She was saying it might go away. Was that breast cancer? Or, yeah, yeah, breast cancer. And it, hers metastasized. Um, and went to all her organs in a very short period so of time. So she spotted like a lump or she something? Did spo- yeah, I, can't, I don't know exactly was it in a lump, but she did spot an abnormality. She didn't want to go to her GP because of COVID and because of the hospitals and the pandemic. She waited. She thought, oh, next month, I'll check it again and next month. And eventually she did go. And at that stage, it was very Absolutely. aggressive and was stage four. That's so sad. Mm. Um, how important are like fundraising? I know you have thing coming up um, 
100 kilometers in 30 days. Yeah. Uh, how important are those sort of fundraising campaigns for you guys? Are you they fully are. funded by charity or? They are absolutely the lifeblood of what we do. I mean, I remember getting a call back in um, May 2020. In the pandemic had started, we all were working from home. I was pulling my hair out because Breast Cancer Ireland's main funding stream was physical events, you know, like Mm -hmm. Great Pink Run, Battle of the Stars, all these great activity-led events that people could get involved with. All of a sudden, I couldn't. You know, it was clamped down, isolation, can't do any of it. How are we going to try and get revenues up to where we need them to be to continue to support our research efforts? So I had a call with Niall Carroll, who was the founder of the 100K in 30 Days. His wife, Cara, had just gone through treatment and she was going through treatment at the time. And he said to me that a group in County Louth were doing this 100k in 30 days around the vicinity, you know, just getting out and walking or jogging or doing whatever. And he wanted to take it national and he'd love to support Breast Cancer Ireland at the same time. And initially, this was now on the 24th of May and he wanted to start on the 1st of June. And I remember thinking, whoa, like we've six days here. Now, how can you think we can get this off the ground? But we decided, look, between us, we'd rally all our digital people and not all of, but we'd get the people who help us with digital and people who help us with PR and we'd put all the might that we could, even though we're such a small entity with only three full-time staff. But we decided, look, come on, we're we're at home. We're trying to come up with and brainstorm other areas and other ways of raising money. Mm -hmm. Let's just really get behind them and help them to try and get this national. And we did. And it was a phenomenal success. Like they raised 1.2 million for research for Breast Cancer Ireland in the first year. Year two, they went on and raised 1.8 million. That's amazing. So that's research that's funded by Breast Cancer Ireland, paying like specific scientists or whatever it is to do research that then feeds back into like the fact that these women are now getting individual treatment based on. Is that sort of how it works? Do you know what's happening with the 100k? So the funding in the last two years has been just literally three million and a million of that has gone into creating a new um, clinical trial called the Shamrock trial and it's going to start I'm, I'm, we're hopeful it will start this summer we have about 80 participants that we're going to put on it it's looking at a particular subtype of breast cancer called HER2 positive okay. which has a 70% response which is brilliant on survival which is fantastic but what we're looking at is introducing a fourth generation drug to these people who have this particular subtype. We're looking initially to treat them with the drug and chemo for the first month or six weeks, then pull back on the chemo if we feel the fourth generation drug is working better. And we're in. We're hoping in the next two to three years that we will have a 100% response. So that is 100% response on this 20% cohort where we will have a cure. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? And that's where that funding is going in the new breast clinic at Beaumont Hospital. It is phenomenal. And it's really, really exciting to see that these funds are are going to have this kind of impact. How do people get on a clinical trial? Like if you are diagnosed with breast cancer, like can you say... I want to try a new, like... What you what you say is you ask about clinical trials that are available to you for your particular, again, it's all personalised, for your particular form of breast cancer. For instance, we had a lady, um, a breast supporter, Adele Cannon, Lord of mercy on her, but um, she passed about a year and a half ago, but she had a particular form of breast cancer. She was, um, pandemic happened, she knew the trial was happening in San Francisco and she really felt it could aid her. She got clearance from the US Embassy to fly to San Francisco but just prior to going her cancer had travelled to her brain and then she became no longer a candidate. But there are lots of clinical trials happening internationally and we work with lots of people like we currently fund research between the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland where we fund a research lab, uh, the Ludwig Centre in Chicago, Mayo Clinic, UPMC. So we're not just working in a silo in Ireland in our own little lab. We're very much about we'll 
plough that money into you, but we want you to collaborate internationally because we can deliver much, much bigger impact. But, but are you allowed, like obviously if you meet all the criteria, yeah. you, can you go on any trial Absolute, you want? Well, not, not any trial you want. You can put yourself up for a trial. Just to, like there are lots and lots of trials. So you can ask, can you be part of this trial? They will assess you based on whatever their criteria are. And absolutely. I mean, they're constantly looking for people to avail of the trials that are there. And what's the risk then? Is that like, so if say you don't go on a trial, you're going to stick with like what what is already there as a treatment. If you then go on a trial, is there a chance that it will be less effective and you might like die sooner or that you won't respond better? Or is there always sort of like, well, as a base anyway, you'll get the kind of coverage that... Oh no, as a base, you'll always be seen to yes. cover your basic diagnosis. It's not going to be worse. No, no, it's not going to be worse. No, 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 no. The, the, if anything, the clinical trial is going to try and help it. Yes. Make it better. And so like it'll either kind of do nothing or it'll make it better. Or it'll or it'll get you a, a longer period of time. Because I often wonder about people who go on clinical trials. And I know like at that point you might be just so desperate that like, you know, this new drug is the only drug in town for you. Like mm-hmm. and you'll mm-hmm. just take the risk. But, mm-hmm. you know, you really are like it's a trial. So they're kind it of testing something on mm-hmm. you and you feel so vulnerable anyway. It must mm-hmm. be really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I, I can't imagine. Um, I just know so many who have availed of clinical trials and it has been really successful and it has given them longevity of life. Yeah, which is an amazing outcome. Yeah. Talk to me about breast cancer in men. Yeah, so breast cancer in men, it's the statistics are one in one in 1,000. So if you look, we have just One in nine for women and one in 1,000 for men. One in for men. And yet I say to men, don't be blasé because I've met an amazing man, two men recently. One was in his late 40s, one was in his 50s. He was really healthy, jogger out every day doing a run, came home on a Friday, had his shower after his run, noticed something in his chest wall, like a, a, a lump, um, thought, mm, that's a bit strange. Saturday went for a run, same lump, went to his GP. Initially, the GP said, I don't really think there's anything there. Give it about a week. He went back again. Thank God he was fastidious enough to do, yeah. pers- persevere with this. Went back and he said, you know what, I'm just going to send you for screening to the breast clinic. And he went, uh, he had a biopsy, he had a mammogram Interestingly. How can you have a mammogram? I asked don't? him the same question. Because he a mammogram in my head is sort of like a clamp. Yeah. Like it comes up from the bottom and down from the top and That's it right. squeezes your boob. Yeah. How yeah. would you have a mammogram? Like, well, men, they, they managed to get, to do a mammogram. So painful. So painful. So and he, like. Yeah. And he had an ultrasound and he was, he did have breast cancer and it was, it was cancerous and he's had a full mastectomy. What's it like? Because oh, they take out all the breast tissue. They there. take the breast tissue because men have breast tissue. They, they have chest, so they have yeah. breast tissue. Um, and they took the nipple away and they uh, he has his scar. And as he said, you know, that's my now my badge of honour to tell others that, you know, Other you don't have like to be a woman. woman. And I asked him at the time, did it feel strange um, sitting in a breast clinic surrounded by women? And he said... He said, I felt like they were looking at me as if, what are you doing here when we can't have our husbands with or partners with us? Oh, yes. OK. Uh, you know, and he said, little do they know I was facing this journey. So he didn't have a partner with me no, either. No, oh, no. Him. So um, and now he's doing very well, which is great. And his big thing is about awareness because it is so important. It's all about early detection. If it's caught early, your outcome is such so much more positive. So check yourself. Know what's normal. Look for the eight signs. Download the app. Breast aware. That's it. And 
you do, if you're concerned, you can get a private mammogram, but yeah. the breast check isn't going to be until you're 50. Yeah, until you're 50. But you know what? If you know what's normal for you, if you spot that now abnormality, get to your GP. How can people get involved in 100 kilometres in 30 days? Oh, they can sign up. The the, uh, the 100K, as far as I know, is going to launch middle of August, April. April yeah. So just after Easter. Um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, hundreds and thousands will get involved. They have, uh, over the last two years, they've had people from every village in the country getting involved. I've seen them where I live. You know, it's lovely to see them. They don this pink T-shirt every time they get out and walk, run, jog. In my own family, we have this challenge where 100K wasn't enough. You know, it was a case oh of 100K, you'd done it by day 10. So let's get out. And, you know, we had our own competition to see how much we could actually get how through in the month, yeah. of Ju- month of June, which is wonderful. And it was great during lockdown, but it's great in any time. I think this kind of an initiative is great because, you know, as we said earlier, one in nine women are diagnosed. So everybody knows somebody that's been diagnosed with this disease, men, women, children. And it's just, it's an opportunity to get out and support them in the, in the, in the, and support us ultimately because we're the beneficiary in our research efforts. Ashley, thank you so much. If you want to get in touch with you or the charity, how, where can they find you on social? Or Yeah, breastcancerireland.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for joining Stephanie. me. And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. Um, our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara. We're produced by Julie Hassett and we are part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Catch you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.